0: Hello, I'm Juliette Littman. And I am Joe House. Welcome to Ringer Food, the Ringer's new hub for all your food-related content. You may have known this feed as House of Carbs, and don't worry, that's not totally going away. We will be launching two new shows on the feed and the first is Food News with me and David Jacoby. You may remember us from our days at Grantland while Jacoby and I are back to go over the news, sample snacks, share some personal tales of food news, some global tales of food news. Who knows what else is to come? And House, what are you going to be doing?
1: Oh, my taste buds, my hungry homies, my culinary comrades, we are back. We've done it. Here to tell you that we are reigniting House of... Carbs with a whole new slate of tasty episodes throughout the year. We are starting with a football fracas, a gridiron gobble fest. We're doing NFL playoff potluck featuring taste tests of the iconic food item or items of every playoff city to determine which city reigns supreme.
0: Ringer food is starting up this Wednesday, January 12th. That's so soon. So, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Welcome to Ringer Dish. I'm Juliette Littman. I am joined by one of the co-hosts of Tea Time, Amelia Wedemeyer. Hi, Amelia.
2: Hi, Juliet. How are you?
0: I'm great. Thank you. We were chatting not too long ago, and you expressed yeah. excitement over the coming miniseries, Pam and Tommy, which is premiering on Hulu this week.
2: Yeah, I did back then, and now I've been having a few second thoughts, but <laughs> yeah. So I I probably should
0: not have said that about. No, we're gonna. I think it's important context. We're gonna get into it. So we are introducing something of a new mini series. I don't know what to call it yet, but we're we're experimenting here on Ringer Dish, and we're gonna be doing some uh, deep dives into some pretty big moments from pop culture history. I I'm gonna call it Pop Culture History Lesson until we have a better title, but that kind of works. I think it does. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are going to dive in to. Exactly this what why Hulu is making a show about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, the famed Mm -hmm. couple of the '90s. I just want to note we are here to give you the context and explain why there's interest around this. What qualifies this saga for a the Hulu treatment? Right, and so this is historical and giving you context, but. If you want to talk about the show and you want to hear from some, some dudes who experienced the 90s, check out the Prestige <laughs> Prestige TV podcast where Bill Simmons and Chuck Closterman are going to be recapping Pam and Tommy. So we got you covered on all fronts. This is your resource for all the context. We did the research so that you don't have to. So on that note, let's dive in. Let's take it back to the 90s. Amelia, what yes. first made you interested <laughs> as like a pet hobby in... Oh. Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Great I keep wanting question. to call him Tommy Lee Jones, but two Tommy distinctly L- I, yeah, different, different icons too. of the 90s. Yeah, it's true.
2: it's true. Well, I just find them fascinating. They were, you know, crazy couple, as people called them back in the day. And I don't know, they're from an era where, I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't totally cognizant <laughs> of everything. You were the,
0: the sentient being that you are now.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I find it fascinating to look back and look back at the times. And also they're kind of... Uh, you know, there's something about them that's, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but almost cartoonish. You know, she's like this really buxom, ideal woman, and he's this crazy rock star. And it's just, that's fascinating to me. That's fascinating. And um, their tumultuous relationship culminating in a sex tape is fascinating. I think the world of celebrity sex tapes are just infinitely fascinating.
0: Yeah, and it's such a different period. I mean, we're going to get into this, but you probably have heard of Pamela Anderson. You've probably heard of Tommy Lee. Uh, You probably heard of them as a couple. Mm. I kind of never really knew the story of the sex tape until I started looking into it for this podcast, but they definitely, like, introduced the celebrity sex tape concept to the world. Like, this -hmm. this wasn't really a thing. Uh, You know, later this year, we'll, we'll talk about Kim Kardashian and Ray J, most likely. But, you know, this is like, 20 years before that, basically. Right. Like, this is, yeah. like, a, a long time before. And they didn't uh, even mean to make a sex tape, although that was accused of them. And even right. before they got there, they were all really already really famous. Whereas I think that, like, one thing that's changed in the intervening years is that sometimes people <laughs> release a sex tape or a sex tape is released, and it mm-hmm. makes them more famous. Right. But, but they were already, like, peak of their fame. And so... The television show on Hulu um, is, I think, explores, obviously, build up to that. Seth Rogen yeah. plays the guy who we're going to talk about. Rand, who <laughs> who stole the sex tape. Um, but the show is about their relationship as well. And we want to revisit the moment that they kind of became so famous and what the celebrity culture was like back then. And so then on, the, on that note, let's dive right in. Talk about who Pam and Tommy were in the early and mid-90s. Man, I, who should I, we start with, him or her?
2: Well... I I mean, I personally, am, this goes also back to why I'm fascinated by them. I'm fascinated by her rise and just how she became just like this huge star. I'm I'm interest interested in star power, and I feel like she had a lot of it. Oh,
0: definitely. Back explain, in the day, explain how she came to fame.
2: Well, she I was reading a little bit about her, and uh, you know, she was she's from Canada, and she was spotted at like a football game or something. And then she was given a modeling contract and she landed uh in the offices of Playboy, Hugh Hefner. And did you have you been watching that um Annie like the dark side of Playboy
0: thing? <laughs> I haven't, but I was reading a little bit about it. And yeah. there's been a bunch of headlines about how like he treated the various women that were in the magazine as like children and right. just I a mean- very, very gross vibe of like Paternalistic and sexual, I mean, totally it's very, dis- very disturbing. So He's,
2: yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so she was she was on. Sure, she was a Playboy playmate, and then she got her start on the Tim Allen show that I used to love, Home Improvement. I was a
0: big JTT head <laughs> back in the day.
2: <laughs> Me too, but I think she really shot to superstardom when she became the star of.
0: Baywatch which yes she played CJ
2: yes and you love that show I love that you love that show
0: I did I loved Baywatch as a kid my, me and so my best funny. friend used to rush home from school we used to go to her apartment and we would just like we watched Baywatch on UPN I think it was already wow. in syndication it's, yeah Sorry. it had to have been because I think Carmen Electra was like on the new episodes but we didn't watch the new oh, ones we just like give me Pam yeah give me Pam give me like, we like we were really into Lieutenant Stephanie we were really oh. into Ho- Hobie We were very into like just like the Baywatch gestalt. I had never been to California. And Mm. so like this idea of Cal, uh, the idea of California was like very familiar. Like my generation, like we grew up on full house in San Francisco, saved by the bell. And then Baywatch was sort of like the like extension of the saved by the bell world, essentially uh, to Baywatch. (laughs) And so (laughs) it was like all based on things you saw on TV. Uh And I do think for a lot of kids and just like, Americans and really it's, their fame was international Pamela. Yes. Anderson, Yeah. Like they like, we'll get to that. They traveled like all over the place together, but mm-hmm. Pamela Anderson, I think like became synonymous, with, like a type of like hotness that was associated yes. with Hollywood and LA. And I think we, we would be remiss if we didn't also talk about how she like very openly and famously had breast implants. And that was like a big part of her yeah, fame was totally. her double D's and wearing the the bathing suit. And it was like it's interesting to look back on now. Or obviously, I think the cultural moment. There's been a lot of reexamining of phenomena from the '90s, from Britney mm-hmm. Spears and Janet Jackson, and and now mm-hmm. Pam and Tommy. And obviously, before that was the OJ moment. Oh yeah, which is also in the '90s. But oh my God, obsessed with that. It's true. It's like it was just like it was like a really amazing decade. that I mean, mm-hmm. that sort of just for like for culture and. Yeah. She became this icon of, like, a hot woman that was completely unattainable. Right. But, sh- but without social media, she was presented as... She wasn't... It wasn't supposed to be attainable. Like, she was a fantasy. And I think right. that's, like, very specific to that era. I, right. I don't know how... It's, like, did you, like, experience her fame at all in real time without not- watching Baywatch?
2: Ooh, not really. I mean, like, I knew who she was. And I do remember being like, that is... It, that that is there's a certain beauty standard attributed to her where it's like the bouncy blonde hair, the big boobs, the but the svelte frame and the overdrawn lips. And like that, it's like a, kind of like a modern day take on like Marilyn Monroe.
0: Yes, totally, totally. Um, I think so much of like discourse tends to go back towards the Kardashians when we talk <laughs> about this kind of thing. But you're so right. It actually is way more Marilyn Monroe than Kardashian. And also the being so open up about, about plastic surgery mm-hmm. is anathema to the Instagram era. Like that doesn't happen mm-hmm. now. People, I, I, lo- I love when they're open about it, but that that just was a different culture of the 90s. And she was like the wet dream. She, Yeah, totally.
2: Well, and I was watching, um, there's a great docu-series on Hulu. It's from Vice TV called The Dark Side of the 90s. And I watched one that was like, The Dark Side of the 90s, Baywatch edition. And they were talking about how you know, the growth in uh, breast implants increased by some crazy number because they saw her and what it had done for her career and how good she looked. And and um, I don't know the name. She was recently on The Bachelor. Uh, Nicole Eggert. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. she I, I'm glad you brought that up. She was on The Bachelor. She was a guest star because they did a Baywatch-themed date. <laughs> yeah. or, so she was like a guest on a date. And right. she, she was also on Charles in Charge. And then she went to Baywatch and it was kind of like a big deal. It was like she went from being like a, a child star to basically oh, being on like a soft porn show.
2: Kind of like, you know, Miley, Lindsay, yes. all the. Yeah, totally. Well, and they were talking about how she was pretty flat. And then one day she came into filming and this they were halfway through an episode taping and she had gotten these breast implants because she was like competing with Pamela. And they were like, well, we can't. This is not good. And so they had to give her a jacket. <laughs>
0: She did used to wear a jacket on the sheet. Yeah. <laughs> because of the breast implants. Yeah. That's fascinating. That's interesting. Yeah. There's just like the whole cultural history of breast implants is also very, very- interesting because I, plastic surgery is complicated, right? Like, yes. I don't want to shame anyone for it. If it makes you feel better about yourself, great. Mm-hmm. But I think what's hard to parse is how much people feel pressured into it and like these impossible beauty standards and having to pay for them versus. Totally just feeling better about themselves. It's, it's very complicated. I've had a lot of evolving thoughts about it. I used to be extremely anti, but now I see like, if you can afford it and you want it, I don't know. But I don't appreciate the blatant lies when it's like
2: so clear. That wasn't your original nose. Yes. And
0: I think that's one thing that's like very easy to like about Pamela Anderson is that she didn't, she's on pretend. She didn't pretend to be anything that she wasn't. She was like, I'm hot. This is part of my fame. I'm going with it. I was like, okay. Exactly.
2: Exactly. She's like, I paid for it. Whatever. I can do whatever I want. No. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, And what's fascinating to me, and I guess I missed the Baywatch boom by a little bit, but I was watching this Hulu docuseries and they were saying that with Pam on the show, their ratings jumped from a three rating to a 10 rating. Wow. It was also the first billion viewer show in history. And it was also the first US show to
0: uh, be shown in China. Wow. uh, That surprises me. Me too. Although, do you remember like all the David Hasselhoff memes? Can't oh my Hasselhoff. god, yes. Yes, they love him. David Hasselhoff was internationally very famous. <laughs> yes, and I love that. Watch was a huge deal. Like it totally. It really was. It really was. That's amazing though. I didn't know it was the first show show in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So, yeah. So her her impact was was huge. Very, very huge. Yeah. Like very huge. I think it's I'm hard doing. hard to, especially like with more monoculture television. In the '90s, it's hard to like explain just how famous she was. So famous, in fact, that her son got to be on the Hills reboot for no real reason. Brandon, yes, Brandon, one of her sons, one of her sons, Mr. Tommy Lee. Let's talk about Tommy Lee. Oh my
2: god, I just want to be on. I just want to tell everyone I don't like him. So this will be, but but I want to stay obviously, you know, objective in a journalist sense. So
0: sure, he he is a. Um, I think to say he's a complicated figure is putting it lightly. He right. In all of his, not all, but in many of his relationships, including with Heather Locklear, who he was married to in the eighties, and then Pamela Anderson, he was um, accused by both of them of assault and abuse. And he did a lot of drugs and drank a lot, and I think that also Mm -hmm. impacted his behavior, among other things. But in the nine, so in the nineties, he was wildly famous for being in Motley Crue, the heavy metal band. As I said, he had been married to Heather Locklear. Their marriage ended, and she claimed that he cheated on her and um, was abusive. He has denied that, including in his um, memoir, which from 2006, which I think he attempted to kind of like reclaim his image a little sure. bit. Um Then he was engaged to another woman named Bobby Brown, not of the makeup fame, but right. she's a model and actress. Yes. And while he was dating her, he met Pamela Anderson, broke up with Bobby Brown. Right. They dated for four days and then very famously got married on the beach in Cancun. Uh, Cancun, which is like, sure. I don't want to say, I don't want to put Can- Cancun on the map because it didn't. It's certainly around, but, <laughs> but it didn't, it didn't really, hurt. It didn't hurt. It definitely raised the consciousness, raised everyone's consciousness of Cancun sure. and the popular imagination. Right. And, and she was wearing that white bikini and it was just like, wow, there you go. That's, in these history lessons, that's one of the things we're going to be identifying, the kind of, like, iconic totems of the era. And the white bikini is, like, <laughs> maybe, like, the most famous, like, object of their relationship other than the sex tape itself. This The bikini was held in the same vault as the sex tape in their garage, yes. in fact. Yes. Which is, like, a pretty <laughs> crazy fact. <laughs> it's It speaks to, oh. like, the primacy of her physical self and, like, how much it mattered, yeah. I guess, to both of them. And Totally so insane so so insane but um as a couple they were all over the tabloids like the daily mm-hmm. mail did like a big special on them at the end of 1995 but, like all of the crazy things that they did mm-hmm. and they really they really courted the press and like yes. and really foregrounded like their own sexual relationship even before the sex tape which was different back then like that just didn't happen a lot like Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly didn't exist Right. that's true that's true
2: and this was like, I guess, well, it predates a little bit by um, that red carpet appearance with Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton yeah. where, she's, where they're like,
0: we fucked on the car before. Is that the one where she's wearing his blood? Oh, that was her brother's blood. I know. I think it was his blood. You're right. It was his blood. She just had a weird red carpet moment with her brother.
2: Yeah, she like made out with him. Or well, she didn't make out with him, but it was like an open mouth kiss. Yeah.
0: <laughs> More on I that mean, later. No, yeah. But it's true. Like they... Like their sexual relationship was part of their public persona, totally. And then they would wear just like
2: outrageous stuff. Have you seen all the hats she wore during that era? That were like five
0: times the size of her entire body. They were huge. She, she wore the what were those called? They had a name. It was like the um, like Mad Hatter hat, like or like oh. the cat, like a Dr. Seuss hat, yeah. and, like a Where's Waldo style hat. Like those, <laughs> yeah, those were big in the '90s. I kind of forgot about that, but. And then they also were just like, a, because of his like rocker look right. and her hotness, they had such a defined image together of like just wild love, basically. And they, mm-hmm. I think they wanted people to think that. Yeah, I think so. I
2: definitely think so. Yeah. I mean, they did
0: it. They did it a TV appearance where they were in bed together in the marital bed. Love that. No, I,
1: I <laughs> totally you?
2: think so. No. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, if it made them
0: happy at the time, sure. <laughs> they got married almost. Um. Twenty six years ago, I think, or how many? Twenty seven years ago, it was 1995, nineteen ninety five, February nineteenth, nineteen
2: ninety five. Wow, that's cra- People- oh my god! Time moves so quickly. Yeah, their son <laughs> is twenty
0: five. I know they had two huh. kids together. Wow. Um, before we get more into the relationship, I think it's also just important to name some of the other big players from this saga. We're mm-hmm. also going to have Rand, who we mentioned, who was their Rand. electrician, who stole the tape, who's being played by Seth Rogen, right? Rand was big in the porn industry. He performed as someone named um, Austin Moore in in at least 75 porn movies. (laughs) And even before he worked with the Anderson Lee household, Um, there's Milton Ingley who helped distribute the tape with Rand who's being played by Nick Offerman. And then there's Erica Gautier who is Rand's wife being played by Taylor Schilling. So more to come on all of them, but those, those are the key players. Those five, I would say.
2: Yeah, those are the ones with uh, top billing.
0: Yes. Biggest so case. let's let's talk about their relationship a little bit because I think that is going to be very much at the heart of the TV show. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. At the uh, time, mm-hmm. what did people say about their relationship? People who like knew them, worked with them, whatnot. Well,
2: so when I was, <laughs> I'm going to go once again, quote from the uh, Dark Side of the 90s uh, video I was watching. But they were saying the co-creator, Michael Burke of Baywatch, said Pam and Tommy Lee had a dynamic that impacted Baywatch. Tommy Lee was very jealous. So when I wrote a passionate scene between Pam and David Chokuchi, which who is one of the characters on Baywatch, where they're falling for each other and they have to kiss. So she kissed him in the scene, you know, and later on, Tommy kind of trashed her trailer and we had to kind of get him out of there. Which is like, oh my God, that's not like good behavior, obviously. No. And then they interviewed Tanya Hart, who's an entertainment journalist, and she said he, as in Tommy Lee, would disrupt them in the middle of a shoot and say, oh, no, 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 you gotta come to my trailer. We're going in here right now. And he would keep her in
0: there for hours. That's like so upsetting. It is upsetting. Control it. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, It's just, like, the controlling nature and the, like, it seems like, if not physical abuse, emotional abuse is just incredibly disturbing. At the time, he was sort of, like, a larger-than-life character. He still remains such. Yeah. I just now I think he'd be received really differently. Like just just seeing how someone like Marilyn Manson is is like been, you know, oh
2: totally. I'm surprised it hasn't come to him yet. And I mean, I don't know if it's the rock star persona thing where like some of this is like very out in the open. Like you're saying his uh, memoir, which I think there's a well, actually, I know there's a, a passage or there's where he's like talking to his own penis and stuff, which I'm not. Is That's not the worst thing. But I mean, it's just like, you know, it's this crass, guy's, to say the least. Yeah, it's really crass. And um, I don't know if you've ever read the uh, what is that? book? it's the Motley Crue autobiography. The I have Dirt. not. But there's some pretty gross stuff in there, too. <laughs> he's just like kind of gross. Yeah, he is kind of gross. And interestingly, I was also watching a video. It was a Fox interview and he was kind of explaining what happened between him and Pam. And he he said, quote, we've been going through a lot of stuff. And he said after he had the kids, quote, Tommy comes third now instead of first.
0: Yeah. And he he ended up being convicted of felony spousal abuse in 1998 yes. and served six months in jail. And in that memoir he wrote, I couldn't understand why Pamela had followed through with pressing charges. She was probably scared and I thought I and thought I was some crazy violent monster. She probably thought she was doing the right thing for the kids and she probably wanted an easy way out of a difficult situation. As much as I love Pamela, she had a problem dealing with things. So you know, that's sort of like victim blaming. Yeah. He's
2: a textbook abuser. He's not a Person, he's really gross, and I have also read the Bobby Brown book, which is really good. She has an encounter with Leonardo DiCaprio that she starts really? the book off with. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, It's called Dirty Rocker Boys. Uh, but anyway, on page one sixty four of her, her book, she accuses Tommy of holding her by the throat and pinning her
0: up against a wall. So That's terrifying. Yeah, you know, it's horrible. One thing that I think kind of complicates some of the narrative around pam and tommy now is that as recently as i think 2015 pamela anderson said that she still loves tommy lee and he was like her one true love yeah obviously their relationship uh was abusive didn't work out and it seems like for the best that they ended it but i i think that her view of him is just much more i don't i don't know if it's nuanced but certainly more favorable than the the Mm -hmm. press at large i would say and i'm i'm curious to see how that's portrayed in the tv show because it it's pretty it's pretty complicated.
2: It is really complicated. And what's interesting, too, I was actually I was watching a it's beyond the trailer, I think it's called. Sorry. OK, so this woman named Grace, who does beyond the trailer, was reviewing it. And she said that they brought a lot of personality and backstory to Tommy Lee. And he was like a very multi dimensional character on the show. But mm. Pam doesn't get the same treatment, which kind of sucks. That's pretty upsetting. Yeah, it is kind of upsetting. I mean, it's definitely upsetting. And it's kind of almost her story. I mean, it's both of their stories, but it's... Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, there are more layers to her story than there are to his, personally. That's how I feel.
0: Or maybe they're the same number of layers. and They should be given the same treatment. Well, I think... Yeah. I think in some ways, with someone like Pamela Anderson, it feels straightforward, like who she is. And also... Mm -hmm. In some ways, a person who seems more damaged, I think there seems like perhaps there's more layers to peel back. But someone who's also abusive is just abusive and maybe doesn't deserve that that kind of like treatment. So, And then he's out here with his
2: wife, that TikTok star, Brittany Furlan yes. and stuff. And it's just like he's being, quote unquote, charming and just like, oh, look at me and my funny wife. And it's just like, oh, God,
0: I don't know. I don't like it personally, but whatever. I, I agree. I would say... My biggest personal blind spot as it relates to these two is that I knew they had a sex tape, but until we were preparing for this pod, I don't think I really understood that it was released not by them and it was like stolen by someone that they know. And so, yeah. (laughs) A lot of this show, a lot of what Pam and is going to be about is the heist. And there's an r- incredibly informative article from Amanda Chicago in Rolling Stone from 2014 yes, about so the he- heist itself. There's so many great details and so many shocking things I learned about it. But essentially, what happened with the sex tape is at the peak of their fame in 1995, they were remodeling their house in Malibu and mm-hmm. Rand. Their electrician basically got fired in by Tommy irrationally and he was not paid. And so, as sort of revenge, Rand planned a heist to steal the vault that was in their garage. <laughs> he didn't really know it was gonna be in it. And he certainly didn't expect that he was going to find a sex tape. What he did expect to find was sort of, you know, like fancy people stuff. And, and like that what was he there. Would find in any. Uh, safe in a rich person's house. Yeah. Did you ever watch Richie Rich, the movie?
2: No, I, I like bits and pieces, but not the full thing.
0: I was like, I feel like that's like the kind of like prototypical oh. vault of like, what they like what Richie Rich has in his house. But that's so funny. every, so in the, in the safe, he ended up finding um, <laughs> family photographs, a Rolex, a gold and diamond Cartier watch, gold and emerald cufflinks, a ruby and diamond cross, the white bikini that Anderson wore to their beach wedding and then, of course, this tape. But let's back so up good. a little bit. It's so good. The fact that the bikini was in there is just so wild. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Guess <laughs> they both held it really dear. Um, <laughs> and who wouldn't? Yeah. Pretty wild. So the tape itself was filmed um, while they were on vacation. It's an hour long, yeah. has eight minutes of them having sex, and the rest is like, uh, not- per, per the internet, I haven't seen it. Um, and yeah. it's made $77 million. So like, just that's insane. It's wild. And
2: um, I think it's like their honeymoon video. And yes, they're just, just saying like, I love you, fun. I love you, I love you, love you, saying I love you a bunch to each other. So it seems very much like kind of an embarrassing video that clearly they never intended to leak, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. And it, you know, they both said this. It's a huge violation, which it is, and also illegal. Yeah. But totally. the other thing like I just can't help but think about is Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson had to somehow acquire a video camera and a tripod and like Mm. set it up like they weren't just like using their phone to make the sex tape like a lot had to like go into arranging for this so it's kind of weird to think about and was
2: this when they were handheld camcorders or or are we talking like the big ones that my mom used to have and towed around everywhere (laughs) and embarrassed the heck out of me
0: because it was 95 you have to assume that if there was like a handheld to be had they would find it Right. True. Yeah, that's true. But the I ranch, just, they're famous.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
0: I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like just the whole thing is so weird to think about. <laughs> it is. I know. But oh, man, what happened. So so basically, Amelia, why don't you walk mm-hmm. us through how the heist occurred?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. OK, so Rand, who again, I just love that his name is Rand. And interestingly enough, his father's name, his his name is Dick. <laughs> Uh, Gautier. Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Okay. And he was uh, a, an actor who was on Get Smart. He also played various voice roles in the uh, 1984 animated Transformers series. So anyway,
0: Rand was a child star himself too. Like he grew up in in Hollywood and before he dabbled in um, acting and porn, he, he, he was a child star. The, Rolling Stone article also included a tidbit about how how Rand, like, was disappointed in the size of his penis and, like, how he thought he he would have had a better career if he'd had a larger (laughs) dick. And it's just, like, incredible details like that that I just don't... I don't know that you're getting those kind of details from former porn stars these days. (laughs) Great great stuff, Rand. (laughs) I
2: don't know, but he seems like the kind of guy who would be like, let me just tell you everything. Um, Seriously.
0: And he, that he did and, to Amanda <laughs> Chicago. Seriously, check out that article. I know. And I
2: don't think because I was reading other articles and they were like, we've tried reaching out to Rand, but he said no. So this this might be the only time Rand only opportunity speaks. Exactly. And uh, man, like you said, boy, when does when he speaks, he speaks. Um, Sure does. Anyway. Sorry. So <laughs> I guess they had kind of stiffed him on $20,000, which is a lot of money. And yeah,
0: especially in 95.
2: Yeah, but he said he was going to uh, write off the 20000 that they owed him, which, I, I mean, sure. I just, that's... I, this guy also, and it's brought up in the article a couple times, he might be kind of a, a fibber.
0: Sure. But lots so, of questions around the heist actually happened as a result. Right.
2: Yes. So anyway, so but then I guess he was like, I have to go back to the mansion to get my tools because I had left some tools. So he and a general contractor come back and freaking Tommy Lee is outside. Of course, he brandishes us a shotgun, points it at them and yells, get the fuck off my property. <laughs> and and also Rand is a smaller kind of guy. So he's had this like inferiority complex all of his life. And he told Rolling Stone, I was never really that popular with people, but I had never been held at gunpoint. It screwed with my head. So, you know, he's going through this PTSD after Tommy holds him up. And I guess he spends the rest of the summer of 1995 preparing for this heist.
0: (laughs) We need Steven Soderbergh to make a movie about that. Oh, my I would
2: love that. Actually, that would be really fascinating. Ah, you should have. He is an interesting director.
0: Love Soderbergh, to say the least. He's great.
2: (laughs) Okay, so then it's five days after Halloween. I guess Tommy Lee just had a birthday party. Pam had thrown him a huge birthday party. um, And Rand is like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go steal this safe. And he claims that he was the only one to steal the safe. And keep in mind, the safe is like 600 pounds. This thing, it's huge. (laughs) It's huge. And and there's no way that he's going to get the safe all by himself. But that's what he claims.
0: Very little possibility that like he did this all by himself. If you're just judging based on the size of the safe. I've seen the Italian job several times and that was clearly very hard work for them. So I don't know that Rand... Was doing this on his own. But anyway, carry no, on. No,
2: I it's I don't think so. And also in the uh Rolling Stone piece, they say that friends of Rand say that he told a different story back in ninety five, ninety six. And um even Tommy Lee said someone who the person who robbed them must have removed the safe with a crane because this thing was so huge. Um and then other I sources, don't believe
0: that though. Really? Tom, I, don't, I don't well, I don't know. Perhaps oh, maybe they were not inebri- a tr- a inebriated. But like, yeah, don't you think Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson would have noticed a crane and you can't like move that in and out also like who just has access to a crane well he does because he works in construction right he's an electrician though does an electrician have well, access to a crane but i think if
2: he were doing it with someone else it could have been like like the general contractor guy That's and they were, he was like let me i got a crane for you so maybe that but- happened anyway he claims that he moved this safe and he put it on a dolly and he just defied the laws of physics to get the safe out of the malibu home which Again, I think he might be making some some, some of it up. up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He claimed that
0: he was able to like pull it over onto the dolly and then strap it on. But that's a huge, huge safe. Like I know, just the just the dimensions. So, <laughs> so
2: did he you know have a wagon
0: d- or, <laughs> as well? Like uh, we. Need I'm to actually, know more. I'm
2: excited to see that scene. Like Seth Rogen trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <Okay. laughs> uh, I love Seth Rogen. Okay, um. So anyway, so he takes the, this. Safe. He looks inside and after uh, using like a sledgehammer to open it, by the (laughs) way. (laughs) And he finds this tape and he decides to watch it. And he shows the tape to this guy named Marvin Ingley, who's the guy that is played by Nick Offerman in the series. They called him like Uncle Marvin because this guy is a longtime porn insider, industry insider, and I guess back. Back in the day, the porn business was a small business before the internet. So everyone kind of knew everyone else. So it was one big happy family.
0: Watch the movie Boogie Nights. you learn so much oh, more. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's so depressing. It's great. Oh, <laughs> well. Yeah.
2: Um, so what they do uh, is they make a few copies and they try to find a distributor. Um, and... Uh, meanwhile, when this is all going down when they're, you know, trying to get the tapes and make copies, Tommy states that he and Pamela didn't even realize the safe was stolen until after Christmas. Which
0: but just is 2 wild. months after it was taken. But it's 2 months after. I know, like do you I, ever go into you your not, garage? I, I, don't, I don't get it.
2: That really don't doesn't make it. any sense to me, but
0: I don't know. I when you live a wild life, first of all, they probably travel a lot, right? So who knows well, how much they're actually home. True. Well,
2: yeah, he was he was like I was in um London for Christmas. And then we came back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, another like key detail that I really enjoy is that Mm -hmm. once they made copies of the tape, they brought the original, (laughs) they they went to Six Flags Magic Mountain to get rid of any evidence of the original tape, which they had like basically burned and like cut up. And it's just like, just an incredible Southern California detail.
2: Right over Six Flags Magic Mountain. That is pretty great.
0: It's in- oh. it's totally insane. And then, as you said, <laughs> they have to find a distributor, but they aren't really able to. So, right, they basically get involved with the mob. Which is going to be uh, represented by Andrew Dice Clay in the series. Also, really excited about that. Really? Um, Are you an Andrew Dice Clay fan? Oh, huge! Yeah. Oh my great. gosh, he was yeah, good in
2: *Stars Born*. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. I like. I feel like I need more Andrew Dice Clay in my life. Yeah, you know uh, he's not a bad actor. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Um, and so they basically borrow money from the mob, and right. they start to like manufacturing the tape on their own. And then someone else gets a copy of the tape and he starts manufacturing on on their own. And there's basically like several black market ways to get a copy of this tape. But Rand is not involved in any of them. I know he's pissed. He's so
2: pissed. He's really pissed. But he's scared because... Uh, apparently some like Hell's Angels are after him. And I guess Motley Crue. believe this is real. <laughs> it's wild. And Motley Crew had employed, uh, the Hell's Angels as security guards. So he's thinking like, you know, Motley Crew sent these guys after me. It all makes sense. And at the same time, you know, Pam and Tommy are finally like, oh, this tape could have a life of its own. This is not good. Yeah. So they. And, and then it did. And then it did because Penthouse, someone sent it over to the magazine Penthouse. And in late March, 1996, Pam and Tommy file a 10 million lawsuit against Penthouse and everyone else they think might have a copy, which includes Ingling, Gautier, et cetera, et cetera. And then in June, 1996, Penthouse puts Pam on the cover and publishes a description of the tape. There were no stills because they didn't have the publishing rights. So they used other leaked images that were from a previous um like from Polaroids that were published online beforehand.
0: It's pretty messed up. And like then from there she does become even more famous. Her body is like even even more lusted after and objectified. Yeah. And it sort of like is now this huge infamous moment in pop culture. Totally. Um,
2: and and also the rise of uh internet sex tapes because Seth Warshofsky, like the, before, it was like people, it was in the ether, and people were like, oh my God, this tape. But you still had to pay, I think, like upwards of $70 to see it. And it was like, you know, you mail it in your money and you get it. And this guy named Seth Warshofsky, played by Fred Hetchinger, who someone I've never heard of, but excited. <laughs> Maybe this will be a breakout role for Fred. Um, he's an early internet entrepreneur and he received the tape from an employee and he played it on a loop on his website, Club Love. And from there, it just skyrocketed because it was online. It was easily uh, available to watch. You didn't have to like send in your money. You could subscribe to this club love and then you could watch it on there. Um, and then he, Wachowski, partnered with Stephen Hirsch, who is the owner of Vivid Entertainment. Mm,
0: the famous Vivid Entertainment. Fa- but, like, you know
2: what? Uh, whenever I go over to... Universal City?
0: Yes! I always see their
2: offices. <laughs> yeah. It's right off the 101. It yeah. is. It's, yeah. Very, okay. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, To manufacture, so was, he partners with Stephen Hirsch to manufacture DVDs and VHS copies of the tape and sell them in actual legitimate sex stores. So it's easy to get. And also, you should, people who are listening should know that Stephen Hirsch is the guy who brokered like the um, the Kim Kardashian tape,
0: you know? Mm. so Yeah. It's pretty wild. So like, we basically can attribute the beginning of the celebrity sex tape economy to Pam and Tommy. 100%. Sort of Everything we think about hot, big boobs from the 90s can go back to Pam. Mm -hmm. The sort of, like, Sid and Nancy, Sid Vicious and Nancy, every other last name, were sort of the original, like, wild, destructive couple. Right. There was other ones, too, but that was a major one. And then these two came along. and (laughs) No, but seriously, because they stayed together for two years after this. And in a way, like, this saga played out so publicly with so many twists and turns that a lot of people have sort of traced kind of the reality TV era back to this as well. Yeah. And it is true. It like was a a defining point in popular culture and the way you perceive celebrities. It made them more famous and they were already so famous. But interestingly, and I think this kind of gets back to some questions that will be answered by the show on Hulu goes, but like she kind of became a punchline. Like she went from being this woman that I think everyone was like just infatuated with to like being almost like unfair not almost but completely unfairly exposed and I think I think she suffered very much in her career and like as just a human as a result
2: I mean yeah and in recent years I mean I don't want to you know assume anything but she has kind of stayed out of the spotlight and everything yeah
0: well wouldn't you be traumatized if that were you
2: totally and that's why I have kind of a problem you know because I started reading some articles that were like maybe you shouldn't be watching this and and then I was like damn Yeah. yeah I shouldn't be watching this
0: also, I think that, like, probably the male perspective of this is just really different than the female perspective. I think that, like, first of all, porn yeah. sex, sex tapes play a different role in men's life and women's life. Not completely, but just, like, on the whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I think this is just such an incredibly, like, uh, gendered like example of popular culture, like, depending yes. on, on your own life, how you experience it. And so I, I think that the conversation around this is going to be really different and... Just I I hope nuanced, because I, I do think there's like also something to be said for like the power of like Pamela Anderson channeled like her own beauty. Um mm-hmm. but then it was sort of like taken away from her. And meanwhile, totally. she had this uh, this nuts abusive
2: husband. So Yeah, it was not good. And her subsequent husbands are not good people either. She married no. Paris Hilton sex tape partner twice. She's been
0: married five times, I believe.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And if you guys have seen Licorice Pizza and the crazy guy that Bradley Cooper plays, she was married to him, too, in 2020.
0: (laughs) She's a legend of the Valley in so many ways. Yes. Yes, she is. Oh, my goodness. What do you like from your own interest in these two like what do you mm-hmm. think will be one of the big revelations that people have kind of like revisiting the Pam and Tommy saga because I, when the, when this kind of show comes out it does do, it kind of brings on like a whole total reexamination like we've seen it a few times like with OJ and um, yeah exactly so totally. like what do you think will be some of the revelations or like at least reframings that people have
2: I think people are like, I, I don't know if it's going to be included in the series, but I have seen people talk about her interview with Jay Leno mm. and, you know, not that people already hate Jay Leno because they do. But um, I, I could see people be like, we need to end Jay Leno. Like, you know, I don't know. Whatever J- Jay Leno is doing right now. He's like working on cars. I don't know. But he probably doesn't care. Yeah. He probably but doesn't I have, care. I have one that happened with that Lindsay
0: Lohan video where he embarrassed her a couple. Oh, that was later. Like, oh, to that, me, was Letterman. Letterman. that was Letterman. Letterman, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah.
2: But he's I, like, he's who, where is he, you know?
0: I think a lot of the way that women were treated in the 90s and the early 2000s will just be continued to be like re-examined for, for the yeah. better. Like it should be. It's not like we should just like ban just, all these video clips, but I think it's good to like look back at them with a, with a different framing.
2: Totally. And I think, again, that's what's going to happen. And maybe... I don't know if that means more opportunities for her exactly. I don't know what she would want to do. Maybe she wants to write a memoir or get back into it. It doesn't seem like she really wants to get back into acting or, or the spotlight, no. which is like totally her prerogative. She can do whatever the heck she wants. But I think people hopefully will be kinder to her because I do think, like you're saying, there's still this like punchline esque cloud hanging yeah. over her. Like, she's even not when, taken seriously at all. Totally. Like, even when we talk about like, Pam Anderson's best friends with Julian Assange. What? Like that, yeah. that was like <laughs> funny for people.
0: Um, so yeah, I, I'm not sure she deserves to be taken seriously, but she also probably <laughs> doesn't deserve to be a punchline, you know, like, right. Yeah. I, it's not like she's done like so much like science work or like literature or really anything that I'm like, Oh, you deserve so much more. But I, totally. I don't know. I don't know that she deserves the treatment she's received. And well, so right.
2: she doesn't deserve to be like slutching or yeah. yeah, punchline. And, and, she, I think she's a lot smarter than people think she is. I mean, I think she. There's like a whole persona around her, the way she talks, and but she was even saying, I think it was what show was I watching? It was It was like Ellen or <laughs> Wendy Williams or something. But they were they asked her about, or no, no, it was I think it might have been Andy Cohen. But anyway, she was asked about the new Baywatch, the one with the mm. uh, the Rock and yes. Zac Efron, and she's like, I don't. Why would you make a movie out of something that isn't meant to be taken seriously and like right. and she even admitted like Baywatch was a dumb show and stuff like that
0: so I it think, was a dumb show and like yeah. that's okay Amanda and, and I talked talking to totally this on Jam Session like Emily in Paris is a dumb show and like that's okay too you know like dumb, t- dumb TV has a place in our, ro- in our world I feel like Prestige TV has clouded that but yeah. it's okay for television to be
2: dumb it is more than okay for TV to be <laughs> dumb so I hope that people can have a new appreciation for her and also you know I mean Here's the thing. I, uh, It's hard because I do think this is a fascinating re-examination. And again, I haven't watched the series, but it seemed like, you know, they wanted her to be involved. But again, mm-hmm. it's like, she doesn't have to be involved if she doesn't want to. And who would want to relive one of the most traumatic moments of you yeah, of know course. their life, you know? And so it's... Of course. So I'm hoping that... They portray her, you know, as nuanced as they can. But I, you know, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see.
0: We will. We will wait and see. Um, For more on the show, subscribe to the Ringer Prestige TV podcast. Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman will be recapping that. And we will be doing more of these deep dives into big history, big pop culture history in yeah. the weeks to come. Thanks very much to Kaya McMullen for producing this episode. Thanks to you, Amelia Wedemeyer. Catch more of Amelia on Tea Times on Fridays. Catch me on Bachelor Party on Monday nights and Thursday mornings. And we'll have more ringer dish for you coming later this week.